Easter eggs. Probably not the kind you're used to, but Sankey eggs, a centuries-old tradition in Ukraine and a sign of their ethnic heritage. Forbidden by Stalin in the Soviet era, the practice was kept alive in North America. One woman in Virginia is reconnecting with her Ukrainian roots through decorating eggs. Stephanie Cheeseman has held Posenki workshops in the past, but this year was different. The proceeds went to Ukrainian refugees, and she's not the only one. People across North America are doing their part, painting eggs and sending money to the refugees who created the tradition in the first place. And in the Posenki homeland, Ukrainians are determined to celebrate Easter their way. Easter in Ukraine this year will be different than it has been in generations. Destruction and death are all around, but that's what makes the holiday so comforting. Jesus rose from the dead, and one day he'll destroy death once and for all. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this Monday, we're starting a new series leading to Easter called Seven Sayings from the Cross. Easter is coming, but before we reach Resurrection Sunday, we need to think about the crucifixion. And there are seven things that Jesus said from the cross that are important for us to remember. I'm curious if you recall the first statement. It's not what you would normally expect. Sometimes convicts facing the death penalty might scream and yell, I didn't do it, I'm innocent. But the first words from Jesus' mouth, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Stay with me. We're going to think about the nature of forgiveness and what we can learn from Christ, even in his darkest moment. But before we look at that first statement found in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to hear from the most famous living authority on the subject of the resurrection, Dr. N.T. Wright. The Christian faith is based on the dramatic but seemingly impossible proposition that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead. Christianity got going in the first place because the early Christians believed that he had been raised bodily, leaving an empty tomb behind him and thereby launching God's whole new world. I think the early Christians were right. I'm not saying that just because I'm a bishop or even because I'm a Christian. In fact, one of the reasons I am a Christian is because as a historian of the ancient world, I've looked closely at the evidence for Christian origins and it stands up pretty well. The question is, do you have the courage to follow the argument and see where it leads? Dare you agree with me? That's N.T. Wright, a world-class scholar who's considered to be the conservative authority on Christ's resurrection. And he's used his great learning to answer a question that's troubled people for centuries. Did Jesus physically rise from the dead? I'd like to send you a copy of his documentary simply called Resurrection. But this DVD was not simple to make. It was shot on location in Israel, Greece, and England, and traces the historical roots of the resurrection in both the scriptures and through history. I know it will encourage your faith, and it will challenge those who don't believe to ask the question, dare you agree with the Bible that Jesus is indeed alive today? Call us after the program at 1-800-65-HAVEN. That's 1-800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website and watch a short video where Dr. Wright addresses the question, is the resurrection 
historically accurate. You can also make your gift when you go to our website. Our web address is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And just before we hear our first song, you can still help send bread and the bread of life to refugees in Eastern Europe. We're still sending 100% of your gifts to Mission Eurasia, who are on the ground right now in and around Ukraine. $50 feeding a family of five for a week, not a dime for Haven. Ask about it when you call or learn more online at haventoday.org. And later in the program, we're going to hear from a Ukrainian who lives in Sacramento, California, and how his Ukrainian church is helping refugees from his home country. But first, let's hear some last words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, they know not what they do. Today, Father, forgive them. You will be with me in paradise. Forgive them, you will be with me today. Today, Father, forgive them. You will be with me in paradise. Forgive them, you will be with me today. Today. 
had him on our program this time last year talking about his powerful album called Resurrection Letters. And that was a song sung by Andrew Peterson from that album called Last Words. You're listening to Haven Today. And we're thinking this week about the seven sayings from the cross. But before we go to the cross, let's think about what led Jesus to the cross. N.T. Wright helps us understand this momentous moment in Christ's journey in his documentary simply called Resurrection. Jesus taught in synagogues too. Indeed, according to the Gospels, he preached right here in Capernaum, though the buildings we see here today are the result of a rebuild some while after his time. But what he and everybody listening to him was most concerned about was the coming of God's kingdom, and they knew that when that happened, all the dead would be raised. Jesus never said anything here in Capernaum about a special resurrection for himself. Two or three years of teaching in Galilee prepared the ground for Jesus to make his move. He believed it was time to go to Jerusalem and confront the people in power with the fact that God's kingdom was coming at last. In Galilee, he'd always been coy about whether or not he was the expected Messiah. But when he arrived in Jerusalem, he was much more explicit. The Gospels tell us that he arrived from the east riding on a donkey and was acclaimed by people waving palm branches in honor of the new king in Israel. Jesus was consciously acting out a biblical prophecy from the book of Zechariah about the way in which God's king, the new king of Israel, would arrive in Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He was deliberately behaving in such a way as to fit in with ideas people already had about the way God's kingdom would arrive, the way God's king would appear. When he arrived at the Mount of Olives, then as now he would have been confronted by rows of graves, assembled, waiting for resurrection at the end of time, just as most Jews by now believed. However, within just over a week, Jesus would be arrested and crucified. And soon after that, his followers were to develop an idea of resurrection which was completely new. They claimed that their leader had himself already been raised from the dead. In all their tradition, there was nothing that could have prepared for such a thing, not in the classical world, not in their own Jewish tradition, nor even, except for a few cryptic hints, in anything Jesus himself had said. It was, in fact, such an unlikely claim that they must have had extremely good reason for making it. Maybe it actually happened. sent T. Wright from his documentary called Resurrection. And I like that Dr. Wright's entire position in this movie is based on the affirmative that Christ's resurrection did indeed happen. Jesus Christ, the carpenter, turned rabbi from Nazareth, crucified on a Roman cross as a criminal and laid out in a tomb. But he didn't stay there. People don't just rise from the dead, you know. Everyone knew that back then, but what happened on that Sunday morning nearly 2,000 years ago is important enough for Christians to base our entire religion on it. The resurrection was not the first shocking thing to happen that weekend. On Friday, the Lord of glory was crucified, but he wasn't silent hanging there on that cross. There he hung, the creator of the universe, crucified between two thieves, As we say again and again here at this ministry, the Bible is the greatest story ever told, and it's all about Jesus. 
Most people know that the crucifixion of Christ is one of the key parts of that story. But how many of us really know the words that the Savior spoke as he was nailed to that gruesome piece of wood? And if we pay attention, we'll see the gospel in what our Lord said during his crucifixion. After all, without the cross, there is no good news. And the first saying of our Lord on the cross is something we wouldn't expect to hear from a man being executed. Remember the scene? This same Jesus, who was greeted as a king when he entered Jerusalem a week before, had been arrested and falsely accused. The only perfectly righteous one to ever live was condemned after an illegal trial. Beaten, whipped, and mocked, he had a crown of thorns plunged onto his head. And as he hung there, able to call down legions of angels to annihilate his tormentors, what did he say? Well, we read about it in Luke chapter 23. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Out of all the things Jesus could have said as he was nailed to the cross for the sins of the world, this may be the most surprising. After all, how often do we refuse to forgive people who've done far less to us? Yet Jesus prayed for those who nailed him to the beams of the cross and those who had earlier shouted, crucify him. He prayed that God the Father would forgive them. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his followers to love their enemies, pray for those who persecute them. He's the only one to ever perfectly keep his own command. No one was persecuted like he was. No sin was greater than killing the God-man. But this God-man, the only God-man, prayed for these sinners. He didn't try to come down from the cross. He went through the pain and the anguish. He suffered as the scapegoat and the true Passover lamb slain for those who believe in him. And he did it with forgiveness on his mind. You know, the older I get, the more that brings comfort to me. Maybe it's because the longer I'm a Christian and the more the Spirit works in me, the more I realize how lost I am without Jesus. There's really nothing in me that could give me any hope if I didn't have Christ. And that's true for all of us. But we can know something. This Savior is one who forgives. He's one who prays for others. And that's really what a priest did in ancient Israel. They would intercede for the people before God. In other words, they would be the go-between. And Jesus is the great high priest. The epistle to the Hebrews tells us repeatedly that Jesus is interceding even now for his people. And only because Christ died on this cross could his prayer be answered. Only if the payment for sins was paid could any of us find hope. You see, there is no gospel if there were no cross. No good news unless the worst thing imaginable happened. The Christ, which means the anointed one, was slain for sinners. And because of that, forgiveness is held out to all who call in his name, even those who previously shouted, crucify him. The great substitute was killed that day on the cross, undeservedly, yet according to plan. After all, Jesus came to die. He came so that sinners could be forgiven. And if you repent of your sins and believe the gospel, then the resurrected Christ is praying for you. Father, forgive them. That's what it takes for you and me to be saved on the final day. If you have called on the name of Jesus, 
you can know you stand forgiven before him. And he prays for you, even now. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners, death on a cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed crowns blessed redeemer you're on haven today now let's get an update about ukraine and we'll do that by way of sacramento california there are about a hundred thousand slavics in that area with over 80 slavic language churches that speak russian belarusian moldovian and even ukrainian so obviously, these Christians are very concerned about what's happening back in Eastern Europe. Well, we caught up with Yuri Shimko. He's a Ukrainian immigrant who now lives in Sacramento. He's an elder at his church, 
and they've been sending funds and supplies to help in Ukraine. But they're also helping refugees who have arrived through Mexico. Yes, and they're doing it as we speak. We have a bus and we have, uh, it's like a 15-seater bus that we have uh, two drivers responsible either drive down the Mexican border to pick up people that have been um, granted permission to enter the States, or they find drivers to drive people here. So most of the people that have been coming up here, they already have a sense of destination of where they're going. We had a elder meeting at our church because I'm technically one of the elders at our church. And we made a plan of how are we going to accept various refugees to Sacramento because many refugees, either they want to stay in Sacramento or they just need a kind of a, they're a passerby. They're going to stay here for two nights and go to some other state. Like today, for example, we had a family and then a young man, a young man came. He just needed somewhere to shower, for example. And so on our group chat, we post, can someone accept this young man, uh, offer their house just for him to shower, clean up. And then he's going to another church in the area where he's going to be, um, going to someone's house. And then a couple hours later, our other coordinator who's coordinator coordinating this, he posted who can take in a family of four or six, I believe it was. They need to stay in Sacramento for one or two nights and then they're having a flight take them to Tacoma, Washington. But at the same time, like people that do need a place to stay, um, we also have like a list of people that can take people in. We have that option like if anyone can accept anyone into their house. Um, give us your name, how much people you can accept. So that that's kind of our general plan for now. And then um, if we run out of place to of accepting people, because as of now, I don't, I'm not sure if anyone's, if anyone has anyone at their house in particular. Because again, most refugees that are coming through right now have specific destinations that they're going to, or their incidents like today, um, where they're staying for a night or two. So amazing, refugees landing in California so far away from Ukraine. Yuri, as you know, Easter is coming this weekend. How is everyone in your church ministering the hope of the gospel to these who are fleeing? For me personally, as a Christian, I think this is a great opportunity for us to be a light, a sense, a place of shelter for all these people coming through, telling them, hey, we're Christians and we're willing to accept you guys. And... Most of these Ukrainians know their past. Like, for example, my mom and dad, they were persecuted as Christians in Ukraine when they were young children. They would be brought up before the whole school, for example, and be publicly humiliated for being a Christian. And there's various stories that they've shared with me over the years where they would say all these horrible things about Christians in their villages or in their cities. But here are those same Christians in America willing to accept them into their house, willing to help them get settled and bring the love of Jesus into their heart and tell them, tell them, hey, look, what happened, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago in the, under the communist regime, under the Soviet Union, you know, that's behind us, but we want to help you guys. We want to get you guys comfortable, get you guys to a new start, because I know many of these refugees have ran away from scary places, scary things that they either saw or had to go through. So I think it's it's an amazing way, you know, of preaching Jesus to them, especially this upcoming Easter. Yuri Shimko, thank you for joining me here on Haven Today. And if you've been moved by Yuri's story and want to help Ukrainian refugees, we're still sending 100% of your gifts for Ukraine directly to those who need it the most. 
our partner mission Eurasia on the ground, handing out bread, sharing the bread of life, Jesus, $50, feeding a family of five for a week. How much can you give to help in the name of Jesus? Ask about that when you call or read more when you visit haventoday.org. Earlier in the program, we heard an excerpt from the Resurrection documentary with Dr. N.T. Wright. This film was shot on location in Israel, Greece, and England, and features archaeological locations. But even more important, Dr. Wright helps to bring clarity to what the Bible teaches about the resurrection and shows how it's of utmost importance that Jesus did indeed die and rise again. This movie will embolden your faith in the risen Jesus and challenge loved ones who don't believe with solid evidence that it really did happen. I'd like to send you the Resurrection DVD as our thanks for your financial supporting the Resurrection Outreach of Jesus Christ here at Haven Today. Call us now at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website and watch a short video where Dr. Wright addresses the questions, Is the Resurrection Historically Accurate? And then make your gift there at haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when we'll tackle another saying of Christ on the cross? It's all part of the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. A parade route unlike any other, That's what greeted our Lord as he rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. It's a word that basically means deliver us. A fitting thing to cry to the only Savior. But soon a crowd would shout something else at the Messiah. Crucify him. An amazing turn of events within a week. The great irony, of course, Jesus had to be crucified in order to truly deliver his people. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Get Anchor devotional in print monthly. Visit getanchor.com.